The thing that we're used to doing isn't the only way that we can feel totally good from the cue, right? There's like a cue, there's something that happens. And then we just kind of tend to do what we've always done because that feels good. And we know it feels good. We trust it's going to feel good, even if it's actively working against us long-term. In the moment, we know it inside and out well enough that we trust it. It's going to do what we want it to do. Hello, I am Michael Gray. And I am Erin Green. And this is Middleish, a podcast about moderation in all things. And this is episode two. Episode two. Here we go. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Tuesday's uh, going well so far. Yeah. Well, you're still drinking coffee, so that's... I typically drink coffee up until about lunch. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, so, you're two hours ahead of me, so... Just one. Oh, one. Okay. Yeah, just one. I thought we figured that so, out. Yeah, I thought we did too. <laughs> <laughs> what time is it? At least we know what day it is. We got that part right. right. Wednesday, yeah. Oh, wait, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, before we get started, mm-hmm. thank you to everybody who has Mm -hmm. watched on YouTube, has listened on Spotify. We are going to be coming to some other platforms, so we will announce when that happens. And in true rookie style, we have a couple things that (laughs) that we've learned from the first episode. Uh, The first thing is you can reach us with questions, feedback, uh, topic ideas at our email address, middleish, all one word, at gmail.com. So just email us middleish at gmail.com. Please let us know what you what you think, uh, if you have questions or topic ideas for us. And we are more than happy to uh, talk about those things. Um, and then the second thing is you can see my full face <laughs> in this one. See Aaron's <laughs> face this week. <laughs> I was so paranoid when we were going through with the setup and, and the, you know, I kept hearing that the audio is the most important thing mm-hmm. for a podcast, duh. Uh, but the first couple rehearsals we did, my, I sat, you know, too far away from the mic and I, I wasn't like right up against it. And so for that first recording, I was like, by darn, they're going to hear me clearly. And here I am. So, <laughs> so I hope this will work. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. I'd also like to point out that Aaron and I both have different hairstyles this week. And so I think that every week we just need to have something new. That's oh, reasonable. I, okay. No? Sure. <laughs> we can try it. I want your daughters to fix your hair one day and see how that goes. They could do that. Uh, <laughs> it ha- happens often. <laughs> it usually looks fantastic. It's probably yeah. not as fun if it's not as long, you know. How many bows and like you know, know ribbons right? can you put in your hair now? Well, yeah, you know, we could I, do. Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say we could do something different each week. I don't, yeah. I don't know how creative I could get, but <laughs> you know, I actually tried French braiding my own hair because I, for those listeners or viewers that don't know me, I had like boy short hair for years when I was racing, and. I haven't had hair this long for a while. And so I, the other day I decided I was going to try and French braid it on my own, which I have always sucked at doing. I can French braid other people's hair. I cannot do my own. And it looked horrible, but it stayed in long enough for a mountain bike ride. So I was like, okay, I'll keep practicing. (laughs) Count the win when you get them, right? (laughs) I know. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That's what I tell my clients. So like, like the smallest thing, I'm like, hey, any win we can get, we're celebrating. <laughs> <I don't, okay. laughs> celebrating no them all, no matter yeah. how small. Yeah. I already had a, a win this morning. Um, so we're talking about habits today, by the way. And my husband and I have gotten into the habit of not locking up the house always when we know that the other person is going to be back in short order. So I went for a run with a friend and my husband, of course, thought, you know, well, she's going to be back soon. I know she drove her car, so she must have a house key. And consequently, he locked up the house. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I was a little bit on a time schedule because we have this going on. And um, I, so my win was, I, you know, I, of course I call him and I'm like, I'm locked out and he's, you know, works not too far away, but was like, shoot, you know, I've got to, I'll come drive over and let you in. And so I, we, this actually happened to us. <laughs> <laughs> a couple weekends ago by accident when we were both home and we were outside cooking and then we tried to get back in and the house was locked. And anyway, <laughs> Matt broke in through a window nice. um, that, that we had left open. And so he was like, can you break in through the window? We have the window that is left open that we the can window. do. Um, the problem is I am what? nine or 10 inches shorter than Matt. And so this <laughs> creates an issue. And luckily we have like some, uh, we live in mid-century modern. And so it's that weird, like the bricks that kind of stick out mm -hmm. that you can actually, and Climb. Matt, yes, Matt and I are both rock climbers <laughs> in a former life. So I was like, I think that I can boulder my way up to this window and like get, you know, un unlatch it and whatever. So it was kind of this fiasco, but I did end up breaking into my house successfully um, nice. So that's my win, and I'm going to celebrate nice. it all damn day because okay. I actually feel feel good that Matt didn't have to come all the way home to let me in. <laughs> Real accomplished, yeah, I like it. <laughs> and you our know, new habit is going to be locking the house always, the house so always. that we recondition ourselves to have a key with us. Yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know what we have? It, it was kind of ridiculously expensive for what it is, but I really love it. Is we have a keypad deadbolt uh, on the house uh, i love it it's so yeah. handy yeah versus having to like try to you know like if you're carrying groceries or something try to get your key you know you can use your wrist if you need to and just beep 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 and there you go i love yeah. it yeah okay so you could do that too i would like yeah. to yeah i mean some of those technology things i always wonder like when is it going to malfunction on me well there's it has a key slot too so you okay. can you can use a key if you need to like if the battery goes dead or something, but okay, good to yeah, know. I like it. Plus, you get to feel like you know you're like breaking into a safe or something every time you do it. <laughs> or you can, you don't have to. Not every that I do time. every time. <laughs> I can, I can picture you having your own like Mission Impossible moment when bum, you're like bum, with the girls. <laughs> gotta get the groceries inside. And you, yeah, you've got like cartons of milk and all this like. Really unsophisticated kinds of things in your arms, and you're like, I am Mission Impossible. Yes, yes, here no. we go. <laughs> oh, good stuff. All so, right. here we let's, go. Huh? Uh, let's talk about habits. Um, let's do. Do you have any habits that you're aware of in yourself, Michael, that you would like to change, or that maybe you have no intention changing, but you're aware of them? <laughs> What would Kat say? What would our spouses say? Yeah, what would she say? Um, <laughs> that I have the intent of changing. Uh, you know, one, actually one I'm working on right now, I've been working on for, I've been working on it for a bit and I got better and I feel like I've kind of gotten worse again. Um, so I'm kind of like increasing my mindfulness of it. It's just that, that knee jerk phone, phone, phone. Totally. You know, um, I mean, so often for just even like, I haven't got a notification or anything. I'm just like, hmm, what's, did someone message me? Did I have a, something on Facebook? Or, you know, just like for zero reason, just kind of that impulse of like, oh, it's been six minutes. I wonder what's happened. Um, and so I am, I'm trying to just be more mindful of um, even not having it on me, especially when mm -hmm. I'm with my, my girls, you know, um, I'm trying to remember too, like if we're going to go play or do something like leave it in the house or leave it downstairs or if we're, you know, playing upstairs in the playroom or something. So it's not even there because if it's there, I still feel like this, oh, you know, I should check it. Um, which I hate because it like, it totally pulls me mentally out of being with them and to something that has zero significance, you know, like totally, I can miss everything that's happening on Facebook and I, my life's not going to be any worse off. Right. But if I miss these moments with my kids, like well, that's not at all cool. And I don't, I, it's not good for them. It's not good for me. So I'm, I'm trying to be more mindful of, um, you know, setting my phone down, being away from it, not checking it all the time just cause I don't. And it's funny with kids, like, like when you're around them and you pick up their phone, it's like they go, they just, yeah, they, they notice <laughs> you doing it. 
And yep. then I feel like there's, I start to instill in them like, oh, that thing is really important. Yes. And him. they're comp- yeah. And so then they're probably stuck with competing for your attention. Like mm-hmm. they understand that there's, there's something else that dad's attention is kind of going to. Mm-hmm. And why is that thing so important? Right. Yeah. Although I will say a, a huge win for me is Lila, who just, she just turned nine. She's told me a few times over the last several months, she said, you know, daddy, I really like that when I come into the room, you put your phone down because I've been trying to be mindful. Like if she comes in like, okay, set it down, give her my attention. And so I'm like, okay, so she's one. So she's noticing that it wasn't that way before, which is not good. But now that I'm consciously doing it, she's like, she's noticing like, oh, you want to see me and speak to me and give me your attention versus that thing. And I really like that. So it's kind of one of those like, oh man, shoot. Like, what have I been doing? But also I'm glad that it's, it's making a difference and she's noticing that kind of thing. You know, this is so, I am looking at some of the um, psychology behind habit formation that we're going to dig into here in a bit. Mm -hmm. And I love this example because I'm really curious what pieces you can identify in. And we can do this with me too. You're not on the (laughs) spot here. Um, But I'm just curious, like what kinds of pieces you can identify um, in how habits are formed and then how we uh, sort of dismantle those habits or change them. Um, I don't know that I really believe in the theory of starting a new habit. I think that we're changing habits. Yep. And I 100%. think the reason, yeah, I think the reason I ascribe to that is because you're always replacing, I mean, you have a finite amount of time Mm -hmm. and you have behaviors that are already instilled in your day. So to start something new, I mean, yes, it might feel new because it's different, but essentially you are replacing Mm -hmm. a previous behavior or habit with Mm -hmm. a new one. So, and sometimes people can get on board with that a little bit more than trying to wedge something in into their right. day, into their right. already full and overwhelming day. I so, completely agree. Um, so you have read uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear. Mm-hmm. I and have. I have not. It's on my, it's on my bookshelf. <laughs> <laughs> it's on my list. But he breaks down habits into, uh, into a loop um, with four pieces. Cue, craving, response, reward. Mm -hmm. So, and I've heard a a couple different theories that kind of break down into three parts of the loop where it's cue, routine, reward. I think all of those, I mean, either way, however you can understand it, I think will, um, you know, you still have something that's triggering you. That's the cue. Mm-hmm. So whatever it is, and this is where I'm kind of interested with your phone example that you mm-hmm. brought up. What is that cue? What is triggering you? Because it's not like you said, it's not even like you got a buzz or a notification. You like, it's like this subconscious thing that just pops into your mm-hmm. head. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a good question. And I, I, I don't know that I've spent really any time thinking about it in that way of what is that cue, but I, I have a couple thoughts and I think part of it is maybe sort of like that fear of missing something, right? Because mm. like, you know, on social media, FOMO, right? FOMO, <laughs> there's like, there's just so much going on, right? And so I think there might be like that sort of like, I wonder if there's anything that's happened that I need to know about or that I want to know about, um, which is at the same time ridiculous because I'll check, you know, my, my feed at noon and then I can check my feed in the evening and it's almost all the same thing. It's, I know totally. And, it's and not, I'm going not like, enriching. Aren't, is there anything else? They like, it's the same stuff over and over. So it's not like I'm really going to miss out, but I, I wonder if subconsciously it's kind of like that. If like I've missed mm-hmm. something. Um, mm-hmm. I also think there is, there is something to, like if you've posted something like oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. and you get likes it feels good it's like yeah, you get the like, little oh. endorphin boost yeah yeah you know people <laughs> like that video i posted or that thing i said like oh this is totally. reaffirming that i said a good thing you know yep. um and so i think that's probably part of it too is because i i haven't paid close attention to this but i i'd be willing to bet that when i've 
posted something recently, I feel that cue more often. Yes. You know, because it's like, okay, are, are people um, disagreeing? Do I need to defend myself? Or do I, uh, are people kind of reaffirming that I said a good thing? And so now I get to feel better about myself because more people agree with me. You know, yep. um, how many likes did I get? How many loves did I get? I know, you I know. know. <laughs> and just kind of that stupid thing. So I, I, like I said, I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about it, but that would be my guess is that it's probably a combo of those two things. Um, and maybe a byproduct of not just being, in those moments, like fully like invested in the moment of what I'm doing and allowing myself to be pulled and distracted. I think something else you said is when you have your phone in the room with Mm -hmm. you, just, and this is something I see all the time with, you know, clients that I'm working with on nutrition the trigger or the cue. And we, you know, I think a lot of people have probably heard this and read this in articles about, Mm -hmm. you know, revamping your food environment Mm -hmm. and having something, if you have like, you know, the, the bag of cookies or whatever, staring you in the face or the bag of chips, the first thing you see when you open the pantry, it's very different than if Mm -hmm. you put those on a different shelf or if you close them into a cupboard or something like that. So with the phone example, I think it's very similar that if that phone is kind of sitting there, it just becomes like this automatic, you know, and and we'll get into like the whole routine and reward or, you know, craving response reward um, bit. But the cue is that, you know, that end reward is attached somehow to that phone. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and it's funny because like, I've noticed if like, you know, if I'm playing with my girls and they go into the other room real quick to grab something, I'll check it real quick. You yeah, know, yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't want them to see me doing it, you know, or if they turn around like, Oh, it's real fast. Okay. You know, um, but I'm not going to leave the room to go check it. Like say, I'll be right back guys. Cause you know, cause to me that feels it's no different, but to me that feels worse. So I'm less likely to do it. You know, yeah. I think the same thing, like, okay, so I could grab the bag of cookies right in the front of the pantry. But if I like have to pull stuff out and it's like, I'm really working to get there. And you know, maybe I don't want to do that. You know, yeah. maybe that kind of feels like, wow, do I really need them that bad? You know? And I think yeah. it's the same kind of situation. So I think, um, this really, so you can, to our, our listeners or viewers to sort of address that cue or trigger thing one more time, I think becoming aware of what is cueing you and kind of stopping and thinking about the process. I mean, sometimes it's not going to be obvious, you know, what is cueing you, Mm -hmm. but in some cases it will be obvious. Like you'll be able to be like, oh man, you know, I see that every time I walk in the room and then this is, Mm -hmm. you know, the behavior that follows, or this is my response. And I like, I do like James Clear using that word response because Mm -hmm. that indicates it's a conscious behavior Mm -hmm. or maybe, I mean, habits are subconscious. So fair enough, but it indicates that it's a behavior. It's an action that you take. It's a choice. Yeah. In response to that cue. Mm -hmm. So for your example, you know, your response, if you see your phone sitting there or if you just have this, I'm kind of picturing you thinking about the reward as the cue, which is kind of an interesting way to look at it. You're thinking of like, oh, how many responses or likes Mm -hmm. did I get on this Mm -hmm. Facebook post? Or, you know, what, what am I wanting to kind of read about or know about? Um, same thing with like a food example, it would be, you know, I really like the the taste of the cookie or I really, this is a comforting thing for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and we'll, we'll talk much deeper into some of these other aspects of why we seek out certain things to address emotional needs or whatever. But in this case, um, finding a way to disrupt that automatic response that you have to the cue is and that's where I think mindfulness comes in. And uh, what you're describing is like, you have started seeing that the reward you're actually, you know, maybe seeking can be found in other ways. I would imagine that mm-hmm. the validation and, and uh, fulfillment you get from spending quality time with your daughters is 100%. probably a more <laughs> powerful reward 100%. than seeing, a, you know, another heart on Facebook. Right, right. Well, yeah, no, a hundred percent. And it's just, and it's, 
I think it goes for any kind of habitual change is we have to recognize that there's the thing that we're used to doing isn't the only way that we can feel totally good from the cue, right? There's like a cue, there's something that happens. And then we just kind of tend to do what we've always done because that feels good. And we know it feels good. We trust it's going to feel good, even if it's actively working against us long-term in the moment we know it inside and out well enough that we trust it. It's going to do what we want it to do. And so to do something different, sometimes it's like, I don't know that it's going to do that yet. I don't trust it's going to do that. I mean, a little bit different with my girls because I know that spending time with them is phenomenal. Right. But still there's, there's, there's something to affirmation from strangers, from people who don't know you as well. Like my girls love me and they just love me. Right. Like, I can do no wrong. And if I do, it's over real quick and we're right back to just, daddy's great, right? They're still young, Michael. They're still young. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Got a few years left. Uh, But, you know, there's something different to when that's people who maybe don't know you as well or Mm. who could easily, you know, bypass something you put out there that you thought was profound or helpful or whatever. But when they take time to stop and comment or something, that's really affirming and it feels really good. Like, yeah. okay, maybe I'm doing something good with this, you know? Maybe that was a yeah. good thing to put out in the world, you know? Yeah, and that's an important point too that I think we use, I mean, experiential learning is like the the biggest reinforcer we have to our behaviors. And what happens with habits is they come from this just automatic thing that we have um, you know, to get in, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not an expert in this, but to get into some of the psychology behind it, your brain starts, it's like a reward magnet. Like it wants to know where, you know, that thing caused a reward for me. So I'm going to keep doing that thing. Mm -hmm. So when people develop these habits, it's because there is some kind of reward that they have, um, realized through, you know, that action. And I think one of the hardest things about changing habits is that you're taking this automatic kind of sequence that we just went through, you know, the cue, the response, the reward, and you're reprogramming yourself, (laughs) which is hard to do if you've ever learned, if you've ever learned like a new physical skill and you get super frustrated and you're like, why can't I juggle? Like, why can't I just make my hands do this? Mm -hmm. You're reprogramming in a way. So so this rebuilding habits or revising your habits, changing them is reprogramming your brain and it's right. it's hard. Right. And it takes that conscious thought and I tell people when I'm helping them with these very small and again, we'll talk about that too starting small. When I talk to people about this, I reinforce that it's going to feel sticky and weird and like it's not working at at first. It's always going to feel like that. And you just keep trying. You, you keep focusing on that response and the awareness of the, the cue and what reward you're truly seeking right. out of that behavior. Um, and, and that's, I mean, that's where the, the magic happens, but it takes time. And, you know, people say like it takes 30 days or 28 days. Mm-hmm. Um, do you believe that, that it takes a month? Um, I think to change a habit, I think it takes less time and more time. And I think it depends on kind of, well, one, what the habit is. I mean, some things are easier, you know what I mean? Like if it's eating an additional vegetable in the day, that might be a lot easier for some people, you know, mm-hmm. maybe after a week they're like, oh yeah, I'm doing this really well. And I'm not thinking about it as much. If we're talking about like addressing emotional eating, um, that might take a lot longer because we're probably actively working against a lot of like, you know, we're, we're looking at not just um, a simple cue, you know, craving response. We're looking at like, okay, we're addressing a, an emotional mental need. And sometimes yeah. those can be like really deep seated. So that might take longer. But I also think there's to what degree is the habit formed? And I think like something like, you know, eating more vegetables during the day, it may feel like you're in a good groove with it after a week, but I don't think that that's necessarily the habit is fully formed. I think it's formed enough that it feels a lot easier and that's great, but I still think that it has that uh, potential to, if we have a major disruption in our day or week to completely go out the window because it's not something 
it's still kind of top of mind a little bit. Like maybe I don't have to think about it as much, but I've still got to be really mindful of it versus just like, it's just what I do, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I, I guess I think for those habits to really like take a deep root, I would say, yeah, probably, or maybe longer. Um, yeah. But to, to be formed enough that it's like, okay, like I can breathe a little bit easier about this and it's not so challenging yeah, maybe sooner. What yeah. about you? Um, I I agree with you that I think it's it depends on maybe the the depth of mm-hmm. the habit that we're that we're working on trying to change. And to speak to your point that you know when there's a disruption in life, people tend to maybe regress a little bit. Mm-hmm. I've noticed this with the coronavirus situation, and mm-hmm. I work with a lot of clients that have disordered eating and uh, challenges with food relationship. And man, it was like a light fl- a light switch, like all of a sudden reverting back to these kinds of behaviors mm-hmm. that that we have discussed are not helpful. But it was like an automatic kind of fallback, and I th- I think that is true to any habit that you can't, you might find your, yourself in a place where you are, wow, you know, this, this is just who I am now. This is what I do. And I don't even miss that old habit, but don't be surprised if it is something that is deeply rooted in your belief system, which we'll move on to in a second is talking about habits and how they might conflict with beliefs. If it's something deeply rooted in your belief system, it's, going to probably be a continual um, evolution, I guess. You're probably never going to get to a place where you completely let that thing go. Maybe you will. I really hope people can get there, but I'm not ever surprised when there is a little bit of regression, whenever Mm -hmm. life kind of, you know, it doesn't mm-hmm. even have to be something as big as coronavirus. It could be just like you had a bad week or, you know, something yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many times like I've had someone, you know, just if they're starting to work with me and they haven't been in the routine or habit of going to the gym and, you know, they've maybe had a good week or two and of being consistent, you know, two, three, four times a week, whatever, of making it or working out at home, whatever it is. And then, you know, maybe they're on the way to the gym or they're planning on working out one day and a kid gets sick or they have a flat tire or they forgot their shoes or, you know, something like that that disrupts the one day and then for the next two, three, four days they're like, yeah, I just haven't been going at all because the one thing happened and it, it just kind of sent everything flying. Right. Yeah. Which is good indicator to me and like, okay, it's not, it's not habitual yet. Right. Like it's not just part of what you do. It's gotten easier, but it's, it's like, it's like, it's growing some roots, but they aren't very deep. (laughs) It's still taking some effort. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's great. You know, I mean, any kind of attempt and some roots growing is phenomenal. Like we can have deep roots unless we have shallow roots first. Right. But, um, but yeah, it's not like this fully formed. This is just how I kind of do life at that point. Yeah. So I want to, I want to make sure that we get to this concept of habits versus beliefs, because this was something when I heard it, it made so much sense to me, but this is something that my friend, uh, Brian Fretwell, he's a local guy here in Boise, um, does a lot of great work on the neurobiology of mindset and, uh, really how it relates to, uh, professionals and, and, um, you know, in the business realm, but um, his wife is a psychologist. They have this really, I mean, sitting at their dinner table is really, really interesting for me. I love it. But he, (laughs) he talks about beliefs versus habits and like a belief being, what do I ascribe to? And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's not something that's easily answered by a lot of people. You might have to really sit and, um, explore this within yourself like what are my beliefs like what what is operating at a foundational level in my life in terms of the person i want to be mm-hmm. what i want to leave behind as a legacy what i am doing in this world what i'm giving to the world whereas habits as we've discussed are these automatic don't have to think about it kinds of things so beliefs um they exist in sort of this automatic 
way. Like you Mm -hmm. don't, you're not always aware of your beliefs and what you're operating off of. But so often beliefs and habits do not align. Mm -hmm. They don't, you know, so like maybe a client who really wants to, you know, be active with their grandkids or their children, or they want to go hiking and, and feel good about it, but their habits are not setting them up to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, somebody really wants to, um, you know, build a home maybe and like have, you know, a a great house. They want to save enough money to do it. Um, they want to have it be this kind of sanctuary or gathering place for their whole family. And that's like something that they really ascribe to as being the provider yet their habits are to, you know, maybe spend money in these ways that is Mm -hmm. not supporting that, um, Mm -hmm. that endeavor. And so, um, that to me was a really interesting, uh, kind of aspect of this. And he also, Brian, goes on because he's a mindset coach he this is his like you know this is his bread and butter um that mindset is a bridge that connects beliefs and habits and mindset is something that you you actively have to be in, aware of and engaged mm-hmm. in and i would love to have him on at some point to talk a little more about this but yeah, um but yeah just your your talk about like the whole client trying to get to the gym somewhere in their belief system, they want this to happen. They mm-hmm. believe this is good for them. They believe it's, it's going to put them on the right track to um, support who they want to be as an individual or what they want to bring to the world, yet their habits are not supporting that. Right. Right. Well, and I think that's, I think it's really, yeah, I, I, I really haven't heard that concept before of beliefs, beliefs versus habits but I, I like it a lot and it's making a lot of sense. And I think there's probably some cases where it's hard to flesh out is this belief or is this habit? You know, right. I think some, some places they might, well, as I'm just understanding this, it seems like they might kind of get a little bit blurry. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think there's a lot of times I think progress in, aligning your habits with your beliefs is identifying what are the limiting factors like what are the things that i believe about my myself or you know um whatever that are keeping my habits from aligning with my beliefs mm-hmm. and a lot of times i think that progress is lies in identifying what are those limiting factors what are these things that i've kind of either been you know, taught through my, you know, growing up or that I've imposed upon myself um, that keep me from getting there, right? Like for an example, and this is, this is kind of a heavy example, but go let's get, for it. Let's We're get, getting deep. Let's get unfun deep. for a minute. I'll bring right? rally <laughs> cat in if we need to lighten it up. Okay. okay you might need to, <laughs> but like, like, you know, I've worked with some clients who have had like suffered horrible abuse in their childhoods, right? Mm-hmm. And so they believe these things about themselves. Like, like this is, I am, the limiting factors would be like, I'm not worthy or I don't have value and that kind of stuff. But they also have this like, like more conscious, like, but I, I want to be a healthier person. I deserve to be healthier, right? I deserve to feel comfortable in my body. I deserve to feel confident in this kind of stuff. And so they have these, they, the, the habits they want to have wind up butting against these beliefs they've held since childhood about like, I don't have value. I don't have Mm. worth. And those have to be dealt with, right? If we're going to get to these beliefs they want to have about themselves. And so I think, I mean, we could try to just not, you know, and address those. And of course there's, you know, like a scope of practice and stuff. Like I'm not a counselor or anything like, you know, I, I need to stay in my lane with that stuff, but like those things, those limiting factors kind of have to be addressed or we can't bridge habit and behavior, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, to your point, when I was presenting the whole beliefs versus habits thing, I was kind of coming at it from a direction that like your belief system is, and and yes, both of those aspects are flexible and malleable and Mm -hmm. will evolve depending on where you're at in your life and, and your age and everything. I was kind of coming at it as your belief system, um, 
you know, is this, is this thing to, that you, to which you ascribe and that you're, you know, maybe in a positive light. And oh. where you're saying is like, maybe the belief system is actually not the helpful aspect here, but people are really trying to change their habits. I wonder if it can go both ways. And I think I'm pretty sure I asked Brian this question, but, um, and maybe, you know, if anybody's listening that, uh, that understands the psychology more, you know, <laughs> please let us know. But um, I feel like it could probably work both ways sure. where you can, you know, we have control over the response we have to the, you know, in the habitual loop, the cue response reward, we have control over the response. And so I think you could probably start reprogramming yourself in a habitual way. Mm-hmm. And as you said earlier, our experiences are what kind of validate, you know, our behaviors and sort of precipitate those things so that we continue doing them because all of a sudden we have that experience to say, oh, this works or, you know, this is the reward I get. I wonder if that can lead to a foundational change in your belief system, especially when it comes to like self-efficacy and Mm -hmm. all that stuff. Wow. That got deep. Where's Riley Cat? (laughs) Where's the kitty? This I can get good. mine too. I can get Buttercup. We can <laughs> have a little cat party. Little kitty time. This is, this is so good though, because this is the kind of stuff I think when people come to a personal trainer or a dietitian and they want to work on, I just want a meal plan or I just want an exercise plan. We have to be ready to really delve into this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes clients are blindsided a little bit because we will start asking some of these difficult questions because mm-hmm. you can start seeing where this is not aligning. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important. And of course, you know, people don't have to go as deep into it as we're going, but at least start asking yourself some of these questions, whether it's the habitual loop or whether it's the belief system and thinking about what are the habits that are either supporting or, um, maybe conflicting with that, those beliefs and right. what aspects of that do I want to see change? Right. No, I agree. I, th- I mean, I think for anyone, like I would say most people that, and you can say if it's the same for you, but most people that come to me looking to be healthier, lose weight, you know, get off medications, whatever it is, have made attempts to do that before. Right. Like this mm-hmm. isn't their, their first time. Sorry, this isn't their first time um, of doing this, and so they kind of like. My thought is like, so you want to do these things, like you you want to exercise more, you want to be healthier, you want to have better sleep, you want to eat more vegetables. Why isn't that happening, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what about it has has been so difficult for you to change? And I think that most often the reason is it's something deep seated. There's, Mm -hmm. there's a deep reason, whether it's how I view myself or my place in the world or whatever that, that affects that because on paper, these things are easy, right? Like on paper, it's, we'll just eat some more vegetables, you know, we'll (laughs) go for some walks after dinner, go to the gym a couple of times. Like that's really easy to do if there's no other factors involved. But when people have all these limiting factors and beliefs about themselves, and there's a reason that attempt after attempt after attempt hasn't stuck. And that might be how people set up the attempt. I mean, I think we're going to talk about that too, like sustainability. That's like the whole Mm -hmm. point of this podcast, right? Is like, let's not do things in such an insane way that we're just like burn out after three weeks. Like that's part of it too. But I think there's also just something that, that often makes it so difficult for people to do these seemingly simple things is there's just, there's a lot of deep seated stuff that just stands in the way. And so while we can try to make it simple, like here's a meal plan, just follow that. Okay. That might work for a bit, but after a while it's not going to because you're not addressing the stuff that makes it so challenging. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, that leads into the next part of this that we were kind of, we were talking about before we started recording is that a habit fixes a problem. Mm -hmm. And, and I would even say it, it fixes an immediate need or, Mm -hmm. you know, it, it remedies an immediate need. So there's this thing about, um, 
And I saw this with my work with parents when I was working for WIC and mealtimes with kids. I mean, you can relate, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. If the child refuses to eat, usually the response by the parent is, well, F it. What are you going to eat? What can I make you? You know? Um, What's simple, if, easy? Yeah. Yeah. To get food in, food in your belly and move on. And avoid the and, fight. <laughs> <clears throat> totally. And so I think people fall into this trap a lot when it comes to habits is um, fixing the short-term need. Mm-hmm. What is happening right now? And what do I need to do to move on beyond this, especially if it's an unpleasant situation mm-hmm. versus pausing and thinking about how my response to this immediate need fulfills things right now or fulfills things long-term. And I think you had a good um, point from James Clear's book on this. I can't remember if it was was in his book or um, if it was just something he he posted on or or he sent out in his newsletter. Um, But it was the idea that habits that are actively working against us that we call unhealthy habits, right? Um, They have little to no cost in the moment and they have immediate reward. So that makes them really pleasurable, right? Really enjoyable to do. They fix things right now, right? Mm -hmm. Like, okay, you don't want to eat the meal that I made. Okay. Then what do you want? Because that's going to be easy. There's, there's no cost into, you know, making some macaroni and cheese or, you know, a corn dog really quick. And then uh, the reward is immediate because I'm avoiding the fight. The kid's fed. We can move on. Right. right. Versus more healthier habits, things that kind of like support our goals or the way we want our kids to be raised. Like, okay, this is going to have a very high cost in the moment. And the reward is long term, right? In yeah. the moment, it's it's trying to persuade, it's figuring out how do I get my kid to eat more vegetables and fruit without making eating vegetables and fruit a negative thing for them. Or how do I just maintain my composure during this really difficult meal situation and not blow up? A long day at work. (laughs) I made this freaking food for you. How ungrateful can you be? (laughs) Okay, Michael. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, uh, it's, to, to do that is a high cost. It's going to disrupt your evening. Yeah. You know, it's, and it may disrupt your evening a lot of evenings, right? Totally. It's, it, it very well might wind up with a meltdown or an argument or you being just frustrated or whatever, right? It's high cost in the moment. But the reward long term is, oh, I have a healthy kid who likes to eat fruits and vegetables. And this is just part of what they do. And that's what I want. You know, I mean, we've, we've been through this. Thankfully, you know, at this point, our kids love fruit. I mean, like if they want a snack, they just go for fruit. You know, we have raspberries and blueberries and strawberries just right in the front of the fridge for them to go snack on. And they do it all the time. But that doesn't mean it's necessarily been easy to get there. Right. But now we're going to experience the reward of all that cost. And I think that's just that concept of, you know, do we want low cost, immediate reward, or do we want higher cost, long-term reward. And we tend to go low cost, immediate reward. Yeah. It's just easier in the moment. Yep. And that's, and I mean, I love the child feeding example because I have been through that numerous times. Um, and I was just listening to an interview uh, on NPR with Charles Duhigg, who wrote Power of Habits, um, who uses a child feeding example. Of course, it was to illustrate that he was stealing the chicken nuggets off of his child's plate, mm-hmm. and that was his habit. He needed to change. <laughs> but it, the whole chicken nuggets for a two-year-old kind of thing is this cliche that I hear from parents all the time. And you know, on a deeper level, so getting back to the belief system versus the habit, I will ask parents when they come to me and say, you know, my child won't eat this. They won't eat that. I'll ask them, why is it important that your child eats these foods? You're, you're expressing that you want your child to eat differently, that it's important they eat these foods. Why is that important to you? What about it? And I mean, the duh answer is I want my kid to be healthy. I know vegetables are good for them. I want them to eat a variety. As we dig into it a little more, it's, um, 
I know this sets my child up for a lifetime of health. Uh, some parents are like, I've struggled with my weight my whole life. I want my child to have a different path than I've had. Um, some parents really just want a more pleasant mealtime experience. They mm -hmm. just want to not even have to worry about what goes on to the table or, or if my child's going to eat it. They just want to be able to prepare a meal mm -hmm. and have an enjoyable time with their families. So when we get into some of these deeper beliefs, I think it becomes a little easier for people to see how their habits are either feeding the short-term kinds of immediate fixes, but not actually lining up with right. their beliefs or that long-term benefit that you were talking about. Right. Um, so it's, yeah, it, it might seem really difficult and like micromanaging. Like sometimes... Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, don't overthink it. Like just, yeah. you know, move on. But um, this, when it comes to revising habits and changing habits, I think this is all like really good stuff to just be aware of and, and think about. Yeah. So. Well, and, and this, is, this is pretty specific to the child thing. But one thing that I have found just with my own kids is really helpful with that is yeah. to involve them in the process. Totally. You know, like, yeah. if we're having Brussels sprouts, like, hey, come get your hands in this bowl with the oil and salt and pepper and help me mix it all up, right? <laughs> and help me, like, all this got to be turned over just a certain way. And then when they've done part of it, they're just kind of invested in it a little bit. Yeah. They're more open to giving it a shot, you know? Totally. Um, yeah. Or even just having them help, you know, kind of plan some meals. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love it. Yeah. We're, we're going to, um, We'll talk more about the the kiddos in the kitchen and how all that stuff evolves too, mm -hmm. because that um, I think we have a lot of stories there based on mm -hmm. my work and then your your dad experience. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. So is there is there anything um, anything else that we haven't addressed with habits? Well, I think just real quick, I think it'd be good to touch on like just when we look at changing or replacing habits like what's how do we do that in a way mm. that makes it um really doable because i think um i mean and i'm sure the same way but when i'm looking at working on changing a client's nutritional or lifestyle habits like we want kind of like almost a low like bar of entry right mm. like the low-hanging fruit kind of thing like let's make this really really simple and easy to do Right. And like mm -hmm. you've mentioned before, you want to make it obvious, you want to make it attractive, easy and satisfying. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we just want to, we, when you're looking at changing habits, um, if we can make them just simple to execute, right. And satisfying when we do execute them, like we're just a lot more likely to, to, to do them, you know, if they're hard and they're unsatisfying, like, are we going to do that? <laughs> so like it yeah. ain't going to happen. I know. You know, and so it's just setting things up in a way that it's just, it's just really, really simple. Um, I, I like to use this example. Like I've been playing the guitar for, I don't know, since I was in freshman in high school. So whatever that is, 25 years. Forever, forever right, ago. Because I'm 72. <laughs> um, but you know, like if I, if I started to try to like play some complicated chords right as I was trying to learn, like mm. I'm just going to get pissed off and frustrated. I'm not going to want to do it because this isn't fun. But if I like start with the very basics, right. Of like things that for me now seem so incredibly simple. I can literally almost do them in my sleep. You know, I can be having a conversation and do these things on the guitar because I've done them so much, but that's where you have to start. You have to start with just the very, the first level. You got to start with level one. You know, you don't get to skip level one and try to do level five because you, you don't have the tools and skills to, to do that yet. And I think that's where a lot of people get into trouble when they're looking at changing habits is they want to go from where they are with, which is often no level of investment in themselves or, or not a lot of mindfulness about their habits to, I'm going to do everything. Total now. overhaul. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm yeah. overhauling my life and I'm not, I'm going to get eight hours of sleep and eat five vegetables a day and two fruits. Right. And I'm going to drink 140 ounces of water. I'm going to, you know, exercise strength train five times a week and walk every day. And, and it's just like, no, you're not. 
Yeah, yeah. You're not. You might, you, yeah, that's, that's a, and, and this reminds me of a story that the interview I heard with Charles Duhigg talks about. He realized that he had this chocolate chip cookie habit. Mm-hmm. And like three o'clock every afternoon, he would go to, uh, from in his work, they had a cafeteria and he'd go to the cafeteria and get a cookie. And as he was writing his book and discovering how habits change, he became aware of this. And he said he put like a little sticky note on his computer that said like, no cookie today. And mm-hmm. he was obviously very good at ignoring that and just continuing on with his mm-hmm. cookie habit. So what he decided to do was change the one piece of that habitual loop and he changed it to, okay, so I'm going to go to the cafeteria and just get a big candy bar and see if it's like, is it the sugar hit? Is it, you know, like a physiological kind of response? And then the next time he changed it to an apple. And then the next time he changed it to a cup of water. And what he found was that he wasn't actually, the cookie was not the reward. The reward was going and meeting with his colleagues and visiting with them and having a little break and a little social time in his day. And it just happened to come at a time where he he might be a little bit interested in having a snack, but it was really the reward was really he was going to the cafeteria to socialize. Yeah. So he started realizing that once he got very clear on the reward, he could just get up from his desk and go socialize for 10, 15 minutes and come back to his desk and he did not miss the cookie at all. Now, Mm. I'm a realist. I know when I crave a cookie, (laughs) you better (laughs) give me the damn cookie. Right. (laughs) At the same time, it just helps, to your point, it helps people kind of break down maybe some Mm. of these behaviors and, and these habits so that you maybe pick a small step. And even just a small piece of the habit. So maybe it means you rearrange your pantry a little bit. Maybe it means, you know, you start with one effort of I am going to get to the gym this many days this week and this Mm -hmm. is what is realistic for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, you know, some of our upcoming topics on routines, goal setting, um, those kinds of things will will, um, get into some of those aspects more. But I really like that, like, let's hit on one small piece of this versus the whole overhaul. Right. And to kind of wrap it back around um, to the beginning with just me and, you know, being more mindful with my girls and not on my phone and stuff, there is a lot of power in just disrupting the routine slightly. Like, so for me, it's, it's not a conscious thing to reach into my pocket and pull out my phone. I'm not thinking I'd like to look at my phone now. Right. And so by disrupting that routine, of I would have to get up off the floor and go into the other room, that minor disruption, I don't do it. Yeah. Because because it's disrupting, it's making my routine just a little bit more challenging to do. And it's like, you know, I don't want to do it that bad because it brings it now to top of mind. I have to make a conscious choice to do the routine. And yeah. I think just minor disruptions to those things, if you can identify what is the cue and then what is what is the routine. I mean, sometimes we may not even need to know the reward you know, immediately, like if we can just put a minor disruption in the routine, sometimes that's all it takes. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. All right. So cool. Yeah. Um, If you, if anybody listening happens to have a little more, you know, insight into the psychology or further questions, things that you want us to talk about a little more, please let us know. You can email us at middleish at gmail.com or a lot of you are friends with uh, Michael or myself on social media. Please just, you know, hit us up mm-hmm. and we'd love to talk about this stuff more. Yeah, for sure. What's your uh, meaning in the mundane this week? I was just going to ask you that. Oh, um, do you want me to go first? No, it's I'll go all first. right. I'll go. Okay, you, you go first. Ga- you gave me mine because <laughs> <laughs> we, just before we recorded, I was like, oh, I forgot this piece. Uh-oh. I was too busy breaking into my house. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, this was a, a nice reminder, Michael, a couple of weeks ago, I went for an airplane ride with a good friend of mine who happens to be a neighbor. And it's something that I have been asking her if we could do for quite some time when I found out she got her pilot's license and I was like, that looks so cool. Let's go do it. And my husband and I had gone for a bike ride, um, 
a couple weeks before out on the South Fork of the Boise River and just this magnificent river valley. Um, if any of you live locally in Boise, you need to go check it out. It's amazing. And my friend and I had gone for a mountain bike ride and kind of talked about it. And she was like, oh, you know, I took my daughter out there flying. We should go do this. And I mean, flying is not something you get to do every day, right? In just a two-seater little plane. And she texted, I was like, sure. You know, I'm thinking like in, I don't know, a few weeks or a month or whatever, we'll kind of plan it out ahead. And she texts me on a Thursday evening. It says, I got clearance. Can you go at 7.30 tomorrow? And I was like, what? So, <laughs> um, for her, maybe it's pretty, I mean, she loves flying. Like she gets such a high out of it. But for her, maybe it's pretty mundane. Like mm -hmm. I just go and get the plane and we meet here and we go fly. For me, it was like, holy cow, you know, I have a little palm sweat heading to the airport and like this is a big freaking deal and we flew over that same area where matt and i had just ridden the weekend before and it was just such a um it was such a cool experience from a different perspective and a new appreciation for not only having people in my life that are willing to you know um let yeah. me experience these things with them um but taking something as sort of mundane as a bike ride and putting it mm -hmm. into just a different perspective was super cool. So very that's cool. Mine. And there's probably just a lot of like uh, a lot to take from that as far as like, you know, changing perspective on situations and how things can look different that, yeah, that we could all learn from. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe what something is maybe routine to one person for the other person, mm -hmm. it's very like profound and meaningful and, mm -hmm. a, you know, a once in a lifetime kind of experience. So, right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, for me, it was just a couple nights ago. Um, we kind of have this habit of after dinner, you know, we usually around five thirty or six, something like that. And then, usually about seven, um, we're back inside seven fifteen to get Sophie, the youngest, you know, ready for bed. But after dinner, if it's at least somewhat decent, we you know, we live in a little cul-de-sac and we'll just at, right at the end of it and we'll just go outside and the girls will ride their bikes and, you know, do sidewalk chalk and we'll just spend some time outside before, um, before bedtime after dinner. And the other night, just a couple other families came out too. And, you know, with kids and there were like, I don't know, six or seven kids who were just riding their bikes and doing sidewalk chalk. And, you know, we were all kind of sitting in chairs or on the curbs, you know, and, and it was just this thing that we do every day, you know, or most days. Um, but other people were a part of it now. And it was just this really like just beautiful time of like community and just enjoying each other in the simplest of ways like we weren't gathered for a birthday or anything for any significant reason mm. there was no significant conversation even happening you know we were just kind of bsing about whatever but it was just this moment of just like man life can be really good in the simplest oh, of yeah. times you know and it was just this really really neat moment where i was just like man this is great <laughs> so that was i my love i love those moments and in fact Matt has been so good at saying that throughout our lives. Just, he'll just say, I love our little life. And just mm -hmm. that phrase is like, and it truly is in the most mundane kinds of yeah. ways. You know, it, it could be when we're making dinner, it could be just like sitting on the couch or it could be going for a walk through our neighborhood. Um, and I think that's a, a nice reminder to be appreciative of those little uh, the little right. things, the mundane things. Well, I think that's what makes life. You know, I mean, I think we look for the big moments, but what makes life, what life is made up of is making dinner and doing dishes and mm -hmm. you know, going to the grocery store and just the stuff. That's the majority of life. Yeah. And yeah. if you miss out on that and the beauty that's in it, well, then all you have is the big moments and those are often few and far yeah. between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but so next time mm -hmm. our topic is establishing routines. Yeah, building routines. Uh, How do we do that? Yeah. Yeah. So um we'll make it more exciting than that, you guys. That kind of fell flat. That was like a uh, routine. Routine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it'll be good. 
so yeah so um thank you for listening and remember to subscribe share like relieve reviews all that kind of stuff um you know we're going to be pushing that kind of here in the beginning because that's that's kind of how podcasts get some steam underneath them is with those reviews and shares and stuff so um yeah please do those things we would really appreciate it excellent thank you so much everyone have a good week